would stand with me for the reading of God's word. This is from Romans 10. Pastor Manny touched on this earlier in our prayer for others, but this is Romans 10, verses 9 through 15. It says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have not heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Grab a seat. Good morning, everyone. So happy to see you. Two quick things. Uh, this week... Our children's uh, ministry, Church Kids, is having their like summer VBS church camp. It's called Camp Okie Dokie, and it's going to be so amazing, all right? And so we got all these kids coming. They'll be here Monday through Thursday, 9 to 1, and it's going to be an amazing time for them to know about God and know about worship and creativity and why they're alive and what it means to be a Christian. And so just be praying for them this week as we're having this amazing moment for the kids to come together. All right? Sound good? Another, number two is just reiterating a Christmas, uh, sorry, um, sound of music. Um, if, if these displays are any evidence of what this experience is going to be like in, in August, you need to get tickets. All right, I've been spying on their rehearsals and it is absolutely stunning. If you've seen Christmas Carol in the, in the holidays, this is on par, if not exceeding, okay? It's gonna blow your mind. And so go to the website and buy tickets and support this amazing theater ministry. But also, like Pastor Manny said, it's a great opportunity to bring your friends to church without bringing them to church. Cool, sound good? All right, with our time today, uh, I'd like to expand on something that we talked about a couple weeks ago um, in our series, Let Me Explain. I'd like, to ex I'd like to explain the essential Christian practice of evangelism. Evangelism. And I want to talk about evangelism because for the churched and the unchurched alike, this concept, this word, this practice carries with it a number of unhelpful assumptions and even more potentially confusing connotations, especially with both sides of the, the political aisle jumping on anything remotely close to evangelical, right? So what is evangelism? Why does it matter? Why do we do it as Christians? And even more so, why do we do it the way we do it here at Highlands? That's where I want to park this morning. Because again, if you ask 100 people, what is evangelism? You might get a hundred different answers or opinions or experiences that they might have had. I, I know for me, when I was growing up, especially in youth group, we talk about evangelism all the time. But when we did, it almost was exclusively through the lens of getting folks to pray this prayer so they could go to heaven instead of going to hell. This was, this was my understanding of evangelism. I remember one time at youth group, we all got in the church van. It was this amazing early 80s brown carpeted 15 passenger van with no air conditioning, okay? And we, 
I know, it was like midsummer, and we cruised up to the mall, about 20 minutes up the, up the freeway to the mall, um, for which the whole night was, was built around going into the mall and trying to get folks saved by evangelizing to these people shopping, okay? Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about like the worst job in the world. Sometimes I think about the worst job in the world being like working those kiosks in the middle of the mall that try to sell timeshares or massages or like knockoff sunglasses. Anyone know what I'm, you all know what I'm talking about. But just imagine for a moment being a 13-year-old kid wandering around the mall with a Bible trying to figure out who's a Christian and who isn't so you could try to walk them down that Romans road, okay? Didn't go well at all. And honestly, I'm pretty sure I skipped the whole thing. I just hid in an arcade until the night was over. But this was kind of my initial exposure to the practice of evangelism. Fast forward a couple years I was in college at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh and I was a part of a campus ministry called Campus Crusade. And Campus Crusade's incredible. Does anyone know Campus Crusade? I think they call it Crew now, okay? But it's an amazing church ministry that, that really does awesome work. But one of their tried and true methods and things that they do is called dorm room evangelism. Where the, you would literally go door to door in your dorm, knocking on doors with this single question. The question was this. If you were to die tonight, do you know where you would go? Intensity, y'all, okay? To interrupt, back in the 90s, to interrupt like folks playing Nintendo 64, GoldenEye, okay? Knocking on their door, they put their Mountain Dew on the, on the, the table and, and you say, hey, do you know where you're gonna go when you die? And everyone's just like, what are you, get out of here. So listen. It was an important question, and it is an important question for us to process. But I was so, so, so terrible at asking it. And it's not because I was ashamed. It's not because I didn't want strangers to love Jesus. Honestly, I think looking back, the reality is I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do and why it, the thing, really mattered. And, and please don't hear me say that, that, that going to heaven isn't a big deal, because it is a big deal, but I always felt like there was something missing, that there was something missing in this process of evangelism and why we do it. And so I had all this fear. I had all this like insecurity and, and uh, just uncertainty wrapped around the practice. I mean, I guess quick show of hands. Does anyone here love selling people things? When you think about cold calling for Jesus in the middle of a mall or knocking on a stranger's door to ask them where they're gonna go when they die, anyone else, anyone else start to feel a little anxious? Yeah, but this is so often our understanding of what evangelism is. I know it was for me and it made me nervous. That is until I started digging a little, a little deeper and I discovered what I would say is a fuller, more meaningful understanding for what and why and how God wants us to embrace this practice as his church people. It was an understanding that inspired me to not only evangelize as a practice, but also claim evangelical again as my identity. And so if you would, just hang with me for a minute. We're all gonna go down to Montrose after this with our Bibles, okay? <laughs> Now, if you just hang with me for a minute, I just want to explain evangelism, why it matters, and why we do what we do. Starting first with defining some terms. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. 
So the Greek word for evangelism, it comes from, sorry, the word evangelism we have today, it comes from the Greek word euangelion. Euangelion, and if that sounds familiar, it should. Pastor Manny referenced it a couple weeks ago when he taught about the gospel. And that's because the word gospel and the word evangelism actually flow from the same Greek word, euangelion, which means good news. Good news. The difference here is that where gospel is really the content of the good news, evangelism is the action of declaring that content out. Evangelism is sharing or declaring the good news. Cool. So when looking to this original language, what would be the good news that they evangelized? That's the question. Let me give you a little bit of context here. So in the ancient world, meaning pre-first century and into the first century, the word and practice of evangelism was commonly used and commonly understood, but not so much in a religious capacity like we have today. Rather, euangelion, euangelion was used politically in the proclamation of a royal decree or a royal announcement. And I know some of this might be a recap for you, but just, just hang with me. So in the ancient Near East, whenever there was a change in leadership, change in royal leadership, or great military achievement, the reigning authority would then send these messengers out throughout their empire, through their kingdom, to let people know what happened. Why? There was no radio, there was no email, there was no TikTok or news channels, right? And so these messengers, they would travel throughout the kingdom, travel throughout the empire, and they would enter a town, a temple, or a public sphere, and, and by royal edict, they would stand up in front of the crowd and say something like, attention! Can I have your attention? Listen up, euangelion, the king, the king lives. The king is victorious. Or, or maybe they would say, attention up, the king has conquered. Or maybe they would say, the king is dead. And now we have a new king. This is good news. Euangelion. And this is the practice that people understood for the word evangelism. This was the, what euangelion meant. It wasn't religious. It wasn't devotional. It was political and informational. Okay? And we can actually see this practice of euangelion practiced a number of times throughout the scripture. But let me just give you an example starting in the Old Testament. So... During a rough patch in Israel's history, this is 1 Samuel chapter 31, we see King Saul loses a battle, ultimately loses his life to the Philistines, and this is what they say. Starting verse 9, it says, So they, who is the enemy, the Philistines, they cut off Saul's head and stripped off his armor. Then they proclaimed the good news of Saul's death in their pagan temple and to the people throughout the land of Philistia. So the Philistines here, you know, like David and Goliath, Philistines, the Philistines evangelized the good news of Saul's death. It was their good news, not ours. And it was to inform people of what happened in battle and to Saul. Got it? This is evangelism. <laughs> yeah, I know. So here's another one, a bit more optimistic from King David in Psalm 40. It says this. It says, I have told all your people about your justice. I have not been afraid to speak out as you, O Lord, well know. I have not kept the good news of your justice hidden in my heart. I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I have told everyone in the great assembly of your unfailing love 
and faithfulness. King David here in the Psalms, he's talking about his evangelism to Israel. I got one more from Psalm 68, and I love this imagery. We're going to kind of carry this through the end of the message, too, is that Psalm 68, 11, it says, The Lord gives the word, and a great army brings the good news. The Lord gives the gospel, but a great army evangelizes, carries that good news. And friends, this is the historic understanding of evangelism. It was euangelion. Sounds a bit different than going door to door in my dorm room, right? It was messengers sharing with the world the good news of what the king has done. This is evangelism. Now, with context in place, let's get after why this is something the church does and has ultimately appropriated as a practice over the past 2,000 years. Why do we evangelize? Well, at the core of this practice, we evangelize because God tells us to. And God tells us to specifically in Mark chapter 16. This is Jesus who is God. He says this in verse 15. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news, the euangelion, to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Jesus, who is God on earth, says, go into all the world and evangelize. Preach the good news to everyone. And to those listening, and really into the early church, the implications and the expectation for this command from Jesus would have been abundantly clear. And there would have been no question, no question to whether sharing the gospel, preaching the good news was optional. Now the church shares the good news of what God has done because God tells them to share what he has done. And what has God done? What has God done? Let me explain. This is what the messengers would have likely, the disciples in the early church would have likely shared. But again, I need you to listen to this through the lens of a royal edict, okay? Through a royal announcement. Here's the message that they would have shared. God made everything good. Humanity screwed it up. This failure made us enemies of God. Still, because of God's great love for the world, he set a plan in motion through the arrival, the life, the death, and the resurrection of his son, Jesus, who came at just the right time to right the wrongs we could never repair and bridge the divide we could never cross. This is it. God came near. The king was born. The king lived. The king died, and now the king lives again. And this is the gospel that was shared. It's the good news of Jesus, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords, and his coming kingdom that will never end. A kingdom defined not by bloodline or borders on a map, but instead defined by his king, the one who conquered the power of sin and death through his own death and triumphant resurrection so we might have eternal life and join him in his kingdom. This is the gospel. John chapter 3, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son, Jesus, into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And this is the message, friends, that has been shared for more than 2,000 years. This is the good news evangelized. This is the euangelion that the church is alive to announce. One more time. And it's all about Jesus. It's all about you, always has been, right? It's all about Jesus, the royalty of Jesus, and, and how his actions, how his kingship, his authority over the entirety of creation publicly humiliated the corrupt empires and powers of this world and formed a new eternal kingdom with new eternal people. This is the good news. This is the good news. First Peter 2 says it like this, that because of the euangelion, because of the good news, because of the gospel, you are now a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies. You may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And friends, this is what the gospel is and what it does and why it's such good news. The gospel breaks into our story to redeem the beginning, to give meaning to the middle, and to rewrite the ending for good. Once and for all. And evangelism, biblically, is simply declaring this good news, sharing this good news of the divine King Jesus, what he has done and what he promises to do. And we do this. We do this. We share the gospel along with all the saints for more than two millennia. We evangelize because God said so. Okay. This still begs the question, why? does God want us to evangelize? Why does God want us to, to proclaim his excellencies out into the world? Well, this is where the rubber really meets the road and where the good news becomes even more abundantly clear. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. God tells us to share the good news, to be evangelical. God calls us to evangelize because like we just heard in John 3, God loves the world. God so loves the world. There is no one and nothing outside of God's affection. Are you with me? I need you to picture for just a moment the person or people that drive you the most crazy. Okay? Just take a second. We all got somebody, right? The people or person that you roll your eyes at, the people or person that you laugh at or judge their lifestyle, the people that drive you nuts, the person or people that you, that maybe believe different or live different or love different or worship different or vote different. Just picture them for a moment. Everyone just close your eyes for a second. Picture them in your mind. Do you see them? We all have someone. So let this sink in with your eyes closed and that image burned into your retinas for a moment. Let this sink in. God loves them. God loves them enough to die for their darkness so they might be saved into his kingdom of light. God loves them. Open your eyes. God doesn't just tolerate them like we so often do. 
God doesn't tolerate them or put up with them so they don't go to hell. No, God loves them to death so they might be called family forever. And this is the gospel, the God who reigns supreme over all creation. He loves the whole world and he wants all of humanity to believe and to be saved. God wants that none should perish, none. And none would live far from him, but rather they might all experience the eternal life he died to give them. And this is what we heard in our opening scripture again from Romans 10. It says this, that if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this, friends, this is the dream of God. God's great dream for the world. This is the dream and a future that now flows from the good news of what the king has done. But, but there's a catch. There's a catch when we hit verse 14, and this is why evangelism is so important, because it says, so God loves the whole world. God wants that none should perish, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him unless, and if they haven't heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers. There it is again, the messengers who bring good news. Yuan Gelion, and this is it. God wants us to evangelize, to stand in the gap and declare the good news of the king, because if we don't, how will the world know what the king has done? If we don't, how will they know? And how will they know what's possible for all who believe because of what the king has done? How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And now can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And this is ultimately the why behind evangelism. God wants all to know him. But how can they know him unless they hear, unless someone tells them? P picture it like this for just a second. And, and this is perhaps another classic Pastor David rough metaphor, okay? But I'm gonna do my best on this. Let's say for a moment, I've got some really good news that I just heard. Just got this amazing news. And that is that In-N-Out is giving away free lunch to anyone who shows up on Wednesday. And I love In-N-Out, right? And so I'm going. The food, I love it because of the food. I love it because of the guest experience. I love it because of the Bible verses on the bottom of the cups. I love everything about it. It's just amazing. And, and, and now I just heard that they're giving away free lunch with no limit to anyone who shows up. Imagine that good news for just a minute, right? Everyone's like, hallelujah. But what am I gonna do with this news? What am I gonna do with this news? Am I gonna hold it in? Am I gonna keep it close and only bless the people I care about? with this incredible reality of free lunch? No, absolutely not. I'm gonna tell Taylor, and I'm gonna be like, Taylor, go and tell everybody else. I'm gonna say pass it on, because this is not a zero-sum game. We're not running out of lunch. No, we can all win with this good news, and so I'm gonna tell Taylor to pass it on, and then I'm gonna go over and I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna go and tell Yanbo, I'm gonna say, Yanbo, you need to go and pass this news on, okay? You hear it? Brad, I'm gonna say, Brad, I got some good news for you. In-N-Out's doing free food. Pass it on. I'm gonna go and tell everyone I can. 
I'm gonna go and tell everyone I can about this amazing opportunity that's now available to each and every one of us where all we gotta do, friends, is believe it's happening and show up to receive it. Now, an important reminder to this potentially troublesome illustration, now we're all excited for free lunch, okay, we can talk after. An important reminder to this illustration is as I share the news, as I share this good news, I am not responsible for making the food. And I am not even responsible for paying for the meal. No, the good news is that it's already covered. I don't determine reality. My role is simply declaring, friends, the excellencies of the double-double with cheese, animal style, no onions, and inviting the observing world to join me at the table. Are you tracking? Because this is the practice of evangelism in the first century. God doesn't need you to pay. God doesn't need you to earn. God doesn't need you to do the work or make the meal. Now the table is already set. He just needs you to get the word out, to be his witness out in creation for why the good news is such good news, and to invite them, the world, into the brave new world of faith that you now call home. And this is evangelism and why we do what we do. The Apostle Paul, again, puts it brilliantly in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when he says this. He says, and all of this is a gift. All of what? This reality of eternal life, the kingdom that will never end, his goodness, the king is alive. All of this is a gift who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So, verse 20, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And this is why we do what we do, friends. This is why we do, and this is why evangelism is so important, because we speak for God when we plead, come back. Come back home. We speak on God's behalf when we share the good news. We speak on God's behalf when we make this invitation. It's not our message. We're just the messengers. Psalm 68, one more time. The Lord gives the word. The Lord gives the message. The Lord gives the good news. It's his good news. We're just the great army that brings it. We are the great army that brings the gospel. He saved us. He changed us. He transformed us from the inside out. He made us new. He rescued us and adopted us and welcomed us. He did everything. It's his reality and it's his kingdom. But now it's up to us to get the word out. And this is why we evangelize. It's not to save anyone, but rather to introduce those in need of saving to a savior. And this is why we do what we do now. As we wrap this up, I wanna close today by talking briefly about how this plays out practically, how this information, kind of all this content, can make its way into your own stories, some action steps that we can all take to move into this practice of evangelism. And it's really just two things I want to talk about. If you want to step into this practice of evangelism, it's two phrases, word and deed, come and see. Word and deed, 
come and see. What do I mean by this? Let me explain. Starting with word and deed. Y'all, the greatest evangelistic, let me say that again, I stumbled. The greatest evangelistic witness you can have in your life is when your words are consistent with your deeds. If you're a Christian, alive to announce and declare the excellencies of him who rescued from the dark, but you're still actively choosing to live in the ways of darkness, what do you think this says to an unbelieving world? And listen, I get that no one's perfect. I get that we're all on a journey of sanctification as we follow Jesus, but y'all, if you're an aggressive driver that's constantly cutting people off, you better not have a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker on your car, okay? <laughs> Sends the wrong message. If folks know that you're the Christian at work, if your coworkers know that you are the Christian at work, you better not join in when their coworkers are making fun of the boss, got it? No one will think your message matters. No one will think your message is good or it's worth believing if you don't choose to live it out with your actions. So practice what you preach. If you're a Christian, then announce the message of Christ in the car when you're driving on the five during rush hour by letting people merge, okay? If you're a Christian, then announce that message in line at Starbucks with a smile when it's taking too long. Announce that message with your kids in kindness when they lie about who left cheese under the bed, okay? This is just a personal story I'm sharing right now. <laughs> Announce your commitment to the kingship of Jesus by forgiving your friend who let you down. Announce the message of Jesus by showing grace to your spouse who hurt your feelings. Does this make sense? It's in the way we live, what we say we believe, what we say defines us, word and deed, that the world will see that what we have is worth checking out. And so that's the first thing I need you to roll around if you want to start practicing evangelism. Think about what you confess to be true. If you're a Christian, then it's the gospel. It's the good news. We've already covered this today. But then ask yourself, am I representing this gospel in the world around me? Am I really showing why it's good news to everyone in my life? Because God wants you to show the world what he is like through your life. He wants you to show in word and deed what he is like and inviting the world into it. And that, so this comes first, that you would actually live a life consistent with what you say you believe, okay? Then as you start to do this, it's then that we kind of hit our second point here. It's then we make our invitation, or extend our invitation to just come and see. So it's word and deed to come and see. And you need to remember that it's not your job to save people. That's on Jesus, right? It's not even your job to convince people to become a Christian. That's on the Holy Spirit. Your job is to simply make the appeal, to come and see what God is like. And this type of invitation, it can happen in a lot of different ways. For some that have the spiritual gift of evangelism, or maybe even just the boldness or the, the confidence, the extroverted personality, maybe for you, maybe you do walk into a mall and share the good news with strangers. Maybe for you, you do go door to door in your neighborhood and share your faith. I know my dad, he's got the gift of evangelism and he will regularly share his faith at a car dealership or on an airplane, I tell you. There was a time, actually I heard this story, um, there was a time where he felt God prompt him to care for and invest in a manager at a restaurant in Minneapolis. And so he would go to this restaurant often, like daily to grab a burger and become a regular so he could build a relationship to share Jesus. And what did he do when he was there? He tipped well, 
okay? He would always encourage the staff, back to word and deed there. And he eventually, at just the right time, he presented the good news and he gave his life to Jesus. These things happen, okay? And for some of you, it's just a natural gift that God has given you. You see the world in this way, but for the rest of us who hide in the arcade on evangelism night, for the rest of us, the public come and see invitation might be a little bit harder. And, and I want you to know this isn't uncommon. So don't feel bad. In fact, even in the early church, evangelism for the most part was not standing in the center of town and, and shouting repent for the kingdom is, is near. No, for most, the come and see in the early church was them inviting the world, inviting the, the world outside the, the church into a gathering of the church for a meal from which the gospel would be presented with clarity and an opportunity to join the family was given. Does that make sense? The church gathering, just like this one, has always been a place for lost people to be found and for the blind to come and see what God is like. And so if the invitation to follow Jesus has always been hard for you to extend, perhaps think about the invitation to just come and see at church. Because I promise you, the good news will be presented every single week here. Amen. The kingdom and the kingship of Jesus will be declared in every single message. So bring your friends. Invite them to come and see what a life of faith can be here. Invite them to come and see what a life of, of grace and, and mercy and compassion and love are like here. To come and see what the future could be with Jesus leading them. This is evangelism. This is evangelism. God is the one who saves. It's his gospel. All we gotta do is get the word out. All we gotta do is share the story, first in word and deed, then second with a come and see invitation. And from there, y'all, God will take care of the rest. God will take care of the rest. The Spirit of God is drawing the world back to himself. And God wants that none should perish, but all would have eternal life. So he's the one who saves. It's his message. We're just the messengers. So from there, God will take care of the rest. Now, as we close, I'd like to close and just, I'd like to pray for you. Um, just kind of wrapping this up. I'd like to pray for you. And if you're able, if you could just stand with me, I'd like to, I've been standing a lot. You guys have been sitting, okay? So stand up, if you can. I want to pray um, a bit of a commissioning over you and a, a bit of a blessing over you. But specifically, I want to pray that God would open your eyes to see the people that he so loves so that you might see them the way God does and show them the good news. Maybe it's your family, your friends, your coworkers, your kids, the guy working, the drive at In-N-Out, whoever it might be. God wants you to see them as the world he so loves so you might love them in Jesus' name and word and deed. And God wants you to see them as future family of God. I don't care where they've been. I don't care where they've done. We are all the chief of sinners. We all deserve nothing, but now we have everything because of this good news. And so God wants you to see them not as who they are, but as future family of God so you might extend an invitation to come and see. So I wanna pray that you would begin to see evangelism for what it really is. That it's not a burden, 
It's not a pressure. It's not a task to earn your favor with God, but really it's just an enthusiastic, natural response to the good news you have already received. Amen? And so picture those people. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would be with us today. And we know you're here, but I ask that just like a, a special, a special filling of your presence in this place today. God, that you would help us see the world like you do. But God, also that you would help us remember the good news that we are announcing. God, that it's not just about a ticket to heaven or escaping hell, but it's about your kingship. It's about your power. It's about your authority. It's about your kindness and your love and your mercy that saved us from the dark and brought us into the light. So God, let this message, let this gospel penetrate our hearts today and give us an enthusiastic response to just share it, to be messengers of what you've done in us, to the people we like, the people that drive us nuts, the people that you have put in our path, God. Help us be an accurate representation of what you've done in us. God, make us patient, make us kind. God, give us eyes to see the lost. Give us eyes to see those who are hurting. God, give us eyes to see the world that you so love like you love them. So we might make much of our days in expanding your kingdom's reach in the world. So God, we love you and we thank you. God, give us the courage to take some small steps, to just live consistent. So when people see our lives, they say something's different. God, give us the courage to just extend that, 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 that hand of invitation to come and see, to come and see, just come and see what God is like. Come and see what this life of faith is all about. God, because your message is worth it. God, your message is so much better than all you can eat in and out. God, we celebrate that. God, your message is the greatest message of all time, and it's ours, it's in us. We are that message now, and we are your messengers. And so, God, I ask that you give us the courage to be sent ones on your behalf, to share your story, to share your goodness, and to share what you are like to the world around us. And so, God, we love you and we thank you. We trust that it is you who saves. We trust that it is you who convicts and calls. But, God, we want to be faithful messengers of your good news. And so, Jesus, today, we ask that you would just again, just penetrate our hearts and minds, put our feet to motion, and let us truly be the evangelicals that you saved us to be. So, Jesus, we honor you, we celebrate you, we thank you, we bow down before you, we offer everything we are to you, so the world might know and believe and be saved. So, Jesus, it's in your name that we pray, and we all said, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Um, go and represent Jesus well, okay? If you do that in and out, be really nice, okay? <laughs> I love you guys. I'll see you next week.